0: I'd like to introduce, please join me in welcoming Jody Davis, the Federal Education Officer at the Australian Nursing and Middle Federation. And Jody's going to speak to us about an introduction to ethics. So I know you're all very ethical um, and it's important to sometimes review our ethics and look at, you know, um, a, a bit of an overview around ethics, where we get them from. And as I said, I don't think as a profession we could, we could be the most trusted profession without, without being ethical. So um, thank you for coming along, Jodie, all the way from Canberra. Yes, thank you. It's warmer here, so I didn't mind. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Thanks for having me. Um, Do do you see some familiar faces here from the conferences that I attend? Thanks, Matt. OK. All right. Better put the glasses on or I can't see a thing. Um, One aspect of my role as Federal Education Officer is to manage the CPD websites that we have, that you all have access to. And I'll talk to you about that later this afternoon. but I actually source um, the authors and the content from um, from you guys and you suggest what what it is you want um, and I write a lot of the content myself. Um, last year I worked with an expert in um, nursing ethics, Dr Ann Wilson uh, and together we wrote a tutorial on ethics in nursing practice and you'll find that on our CPA website which I'll talk to you about this afternoon, or later this afternoon. Um, That was a request from, from quite a large request from nurses and midwives across uh, our membership who wanted that because, you know, a lot of people don't actually understand what ethics mean in the context of nursing practice. So often, you know, uh, now more than ever health professionals are confronted by ethical, legal and social issues um, in the healthcare that you provide. Uh, The often distressful nature of illness itself and suffering can heighten those difficulties in making ethical decisions. Uh, Increasingly there's a reliance on evidence rather than personal ethical and moral considerations and we'll break that down shortly, um, to support ethical decision making in in clinical practice and to avoid litigation because that's what it leads to when we're not ethical. So what does ethics in nursing practice really mean? In practical terms for you as a nurse, any, do we have any midwives here or assist enrolled nurses working in midwifery? OK, so I'll call you midwives at the moment <laughs> um, who go to work in the clinical environment each day. You are required to make decisions regarding the care and treatment of other people. In order to provide the best care without harm, you need to have clinical and legal knowledge, decision-making processes and be aware of the jurisdictions under which you practice and they are different in the various states. So, as a professional, you're bound by the ethics of the law and professional standards. Uh, They are respect people, comply with the law regarding patients' rights and and the Privacy Act, uh, have merit and integrity when caring for people, consider the risks, harms and benefits to your patients in the care you deliver and address issues of justice. Providing ethical practice is overriding importance above law, above politics or above self-interest. So it is very, very important. Um, as Philippe said to you this morning, you know, we are the most trusted profession and there's a reason why. It's, it's, we tend to be the people who ethics and morals are very important to us. So let's break down ethics. What's ethics? It's about actually what's right and wrong. Good and bad um, incorporates our morals, beliefs and our consciousness. Ethics and good ethical behaviour is relevant to all individuals and should be applied equitably to all persons. Therefore, in reality, there can't be an agreed ethical or moral position which is acceptable for all of us. Um, And it may depend on relativism, that argues what's right for you is not always right for me. And we'll go through some examples of that. Um, Look at our multicultural society and all the different cultures. So what's right for, for one person may not be right for us. In the clinical environment, there may be differences of opinion concerning uh, what is considered the best care or the treatment available. You know, we've heard lots of things about cancer treatments and people being forced into chemotherapy when they don't want it. So, you know, who are we looking after? Um, It may be based on professional discipline values and and focus on what is considered the best care or treatment available, rather than actually the patient's values and the perspectives of what they want for themselves. So what do we do about that? it confronts us quite often in our work. Um, we have a choice or a decision to make all the time in, in um, healthcare. If we take the view that ethics is about relationships, then we can realise that as nurses and midwives, we are concerned with human flourishing and well-being. And in, that's from the um, World Health Organisation. In a peaceful and beneficial society where harm is minimised. What a perfect world, utopia. <laughs> But for us it implies that nurses and midwives must relate to patients on an interpersonal level, not merely a needy biological level when we're caring for them and doing their pressure care or their wound care. Um, We've got to hear their views and respect their rights. Ideally, it fosters um, an environment of mutuality in which there is sympathy, empathy and support, which we're all taught about when we become nurses and midwives and a shared responsibility for healthcare between patient and nurse and midwife. And that's what makes us the most trusted profession, is that we listen, we use our ears and we do comfort people. In some instances, instances, patients may defer to the nurse or midwife's wishes or waive their rights to refuse treatment. What happens in these situations depends on the communication between the nurse, midwife and the patient, um, and the nurse's ability to involve the patient fully in decision making. Generally, it's about working respectively with patients to reduce the potential to cause harm, whether it be psychological or physical, and to provide effective treatment and enable patients to consent to treatment or care. Therefore, when we must exercise different value judgments when working with patients with different values, preferences and needs. So we go with what they need, not what we need. Um, so you might ask, you know, what's morality got to do with ethics? Ethics is related to morality but it's actually not the same thing. Morality is this distinction between right and wrong and how we distinguish between those um, two principles to determine what we believe should be done and what should not be done and therefore it influences our behaviour. So our morality is affected by many extrinsic factors including our culture, our upbringing, our family, our friends. They're also relative and dependent on the context and situation in which we find ourselves, so they can change. So I want you to have a look at this list. Um, Have a think about what what is on the screen and how important are these elements to you. Your answers, and I don't want to hear them at the moment, you keep them to yourselves. It'll give you insight into your own moral um, orientations. So morals deal with behaviours and motives, whereas ethics is about ethical consciousness decisions. Conscious decisions, I should say. So as registered and endorsed health professionals, nurses and midwives in Australia are required to adhere to the requirements detailed in certain documents. So the Code of Ethics for Nurses in Australia outlines nurses' um, commitment to respect, promote, protect, and uphold the fundamental rights of people who are both the recipients and providers of nursing care. So, how many of you here have read your code of ethics? Mm. We don't actually use the documentation very much that guides our practice like our code of conduct or our standards. So, um, I would advise you all to to get onto the, the board's website and have a look at those things that actually do guide your practice. Uh, It's relevant to all nurses at all levels and areas of practice, including those encompassing clinical management, myself in education and research. Uh, There is also a code of conduct for midwives, obviously. The purpose of the code of ethics uh, for nurses and midwives in Australia are to identify the fundamental ethical standards, and this is from the board, that's why I'm reading it out, and values to which the nursing and midwifery professions are committed and that are incorporated in either other endorsed professional nursing and midwifery guidelines and standards of conduct. So all of these documents that we have to abide by are actually linked together. Um, Both the Code of of Ethics for nurses and midwives have eight definitive values. Where the word people is used in Code of Ethics for nurses um, is substituted with woman and and her infant in the midwifery code uh, and they're the only differences. So the codes provide nurses and midwives with a reference point from where to reflect on theirs and others' conduct. So if you're in doubt about someone's behaviour, too, go to your, you know, your code of ethics. If you're in doubt about whether you should be doing something or it's outside of your scope of practice, go to your decision-making framework. You know, these should be our bibles. Um, they also guide us in ethical decision making. Uh, in doing so, it indicates the community the human rights standards and the ethical values it, that can expect nurses and midwives to uphold. And remember, these um, you know the the board's website is available to anybody. It's not just for nurses and midwives; they can they can have a read too. So these are our um, code of ethics. So it's all of them start with nurses' value, quality nursing, midwifery care for all people, respect and kindness for yourself and for others the diversity of people, access to quality nursing and healthcare for all people, informed decision-making, a culture of safety in nursing and midwifery healthcare, ethical management of information, and a socially, economically and ecologically sustainable environment promoting health and wellbeing. That's what we should be telling the ministers. (laughs) That's what we need the money for, and that's what, you know, everybody needs to have um, safety and wellbeing. So the other one that guides us is the Australian Charter of Healthcare Rights. So this is for your patients, your individuals. It describes the rights of patients and other people using the Australian health system, so visitors to the country as well. Uh, These rights are essential to make sure that whenever and wherever care is provided, it is of high quality and it's safe. The Charter recognises that people receiving care and people providing care all have important roles in achieving those rights. The charter allows patients, consumers, families, carers and services providing health care to share an understanding of the rights of people receiving health care. The aim is to help everyone to work together towards a safe and high quality health system. So it becomes a partnership basically between us and, and the patients. Now the other one that's important for us when dealing with ethics is the Privacy Act 1988. Um, They obviously wrote it so well that time that it didn't need changing since then, so that's good. (laughs) Um, It's an Australian law which regulates the handling of personal information about individuals. And that includes the collection, the use of it, the storage of it and the disclosure of personal information. And it's one area where nurses can really get caught because we do tend to be a bit of chatterboxes at times. So if you are talking about patients, don't use their names and don't use any describing Um, you know, nouns or verbs to, you know, even what their body looks like because um, whether they're large, they're small, they're short, short, tall because people, you know, if you're working on the same ward, they know who you're talking about. The Privacy Act includes principles relating to the handling of personal information and the handling of health information. Generally, the health service service provider, I'm having real trouble with my S's today, (laughs) um, who creates a medical record, owns that record. Um, It doesn't interfere with a person's rights to access their record because um, ownership and access rights under the Privacy Act are actually separate. So if your patient wants to see their their records, they can. Um, State or Northern Territory public hospitals and health services are not covered by the Privacy Act, but uh, they have relevance legislation that does cover off similarly. Um, So it is important that if you are moving between jurisdictions, now with national registration, that you do actually look up your Poisons Act and your Privacy Act and those sorts of ones that are different. Okay, providing ethical care. So the major ethical considerations in providing health care are universally accepted. These include ensuring confidentiality and anonymity of our patients, Protection of vulnerable people, such as children and those who become powerless by institutionalisation, social, personal or other factors. Um, Nurses' midwives accountability holds them responsible to fully explain to patients any known risks or benefits so that patients only consent to interventions on the basis of being fully informed. Now that's not always easy to do, particularly if there are language barriers or cultural barriers. So we actually have to navigate the system to make sure that we are giving them informed consent. And how many have you been in a room where a doctor said something to um, a patient and they're going, yep, yeah, 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 no worries, and they walk out and they go, what did they say? I don't know. Can you explain it to me, please? <laughs> you know? So it is our job to actually be there and hear what's heard so that we can actually give them the, you know, the layman's version of of what it is and maybe look information up for them. Um, We have... Our accountability holds um, us responsible to to really make sure that they are fully informed. They must have their rights explained to them and assured that they have personal choices on which they are consulted. Um, I think that's... We're getting better at that these days, the health system. You know, um, no longer do you have, like my nan who, you know, what did you go to the doctor for? I don't know. What's that scar for? I don't know. The doctor knows. It's all right. What's that medication for? I don't know. He gives me the prescription every time I go. So, you know, he'll know what to do. So more and more we're actually being, um, as consumers, aware of our own healthcare and and people are asking more questions. Um, People's spiritual beliefs and cultural diversity uh, must be respected. Patients have the right to know that their personal information is stored properly and who has access to it. And as I said, they may also request to see it. Our aim is to shape relationships between nurses, midwives and providers of healthcare and recipients as one of trust, mutual responsibility and respect and ethical equality. And these values are expressed specifically as respect, uh, beneficence, which is risk versus the harm and the benefits, and justice, procedural and distributive. So, respect. What's respect mean? It's a word that's used very often, but it's defined here. Each individual human has value in themselves and recognises their individual autonomy. In particular, we value our ability to determine our own life and make our own decisions. I'll give you an example. There was an, a, an old man in an aged care facility where I used to go in and do some work teaching and, um, you know, he was a diabetic and he refused to walk and he just used his wheelchair to get down to the cake shop and he'd buy this really big cake and he'd take it back and he'd sit in his room and he'd eat cake and the nurses were saying, but, you know, he's got diabetes and he really should be controlled. And I said, where is he? Where's he going, <laughs> you know? Honestly, it's his right to decide what it is that he wants to eat and how he deals with it. And, you know, unfortunately, yes, it, it's not going to do him very good, but it's not our place to tell him what he can and can't eat in this situation. They have the right to know and to choose. So respect often requires valuing the collective standards of a group, such as in a religion or an organisation for a like-minded group of people. For instance, like Girl Guides Australia, you know, they have their, their same codes. In contrast, for us, we may also be called upon to protect those with diminished due to sickness, due um, to sickness, or um, no autonomy due to being unconscious um, or being unable to speak. Showing respect for patients means empowering people where possible and protecting and helping people where or whenever it would be wrong not to do so. Um, It requires honesty and it requires transparency through honouring your commitment to people while maintaining privacy and confidentiality through looking after their personal information properly they have the right to privacy and fair treatment, as do you. Now what's beneficence? It's balancing risk with benefit. So it's the concept that means that the welfare of the patient should be utmost and the patient has the right to freedom from harm. A a term more commonly used in the protection of research um, participants is an ethical standard that is just as applicable to healthcare. Uh, You know, so research people working in research who allow themselves to be injected with different drugs and things like that for um, practice, Um, you know, they have the right to know everything about that uh, and then weigh up the risks and the benefits to them. As nurses and midwives, we assess the risk of harm to patients and the likelihood that these will occur and their um, severity and consequences. We all know how to do a risk assessment. We identify potential risks, assess if and how they can be minimised and or managed, and if justified, the potential benefits to the patient or the person. Sometimes you've got to let someone do what it is they want to do and just make them aware of what those risks are. And the other one is justice, so I love this one. Nurses and midwives need to consider the potential for injustice in care provision, where because of convenience or other such factors, some groups are more likely to benefit from particular health interventions and therefore a fair distribution of the benefits of care or burdens of illness is not achieved. That's distributive justice. That's the, you know, the American healthcare care system is, you know, where's the justice in that? There is none. We don't want to go that way. Procedural injustice uh, concerns situations where selection processes for care and the review of care are fair. So, you know, actually, you know, I don't like that patient, so I'm going to... Absolutely, absolutely, uh, two favourites. You know, it's something that we do to each other in nursing. You know, we have someone on the floor that we don't really like, so we kind of shut them out or isolate them, which is actually a form of bullying. And, you know, but, but that's it's not justice, that's not who we are. So we need to take care of ourselves and be responsible for our behaviour. One of the big issues around justice is gaining consent in healthcare, it's really important. Uh, potential recipients of healthcare must be free to refuse the care offered, um, have enough information about what happens understand the purpose, the methods, the expectations, the risks, the potential benefits. Um, they must have the opportunity to ask questions and have some time to reflect on those answers and, and talk to their families. They must receive assurance about their anonymity and confidentiality. And consent, especially for procedures, as is typically, typically written and signed by all parties. has to be informed consent. Informed consent. That's exactly right and one of my other roles is that I worked with what used to be the industry skills councils for health and community services is now um, the Skills IQ and we write the courses um, across a lot of jurisdictions and uh, I basically work with them, anything that deals with nurses and nursing work and um, all through one of the documents I had, you know, consent, consent, consent. And I'm like, no, you have to take it out. It's informed consent. Oh, but these people don't actually know what they're telling them. Then they can't get consent, can they? So take that off because the health professional is the one who's going to get consent, not someone who is not trained um, to know what informed consent is and not someone who doesn't understand the full context of the procedure or the, you know, what's occurring. Uh, Right. So let's consider some major major... Um, basic moral orientations and I'm sure that some of you will um, you know these will resonate with you do what the Bible tells you, so what's right equals what God tells me to do. Uh, Follow your conscience Uh, our conscience tells us what is right and wrong, however it's often based on a religious source and may also come from learnings from, from our parents and our families And it's often negative in character. It tells us what is not right rather than what is right. Um, Watch out for number one. We've all met them. Um, The only person to take care of is yourself. Do what is right in your own self-interest. Do the right thing is about doing what is right and about doing your duty. So your professional role, nurse's duty to care for the sick. A social role, a parent's duty to care for their children. Uh, Don't diss me. Now, that's the ethics of respect. Human interactions should be governed by rules of respect, although what counts as respect can vary from one culture to another. So we might think we're being respectful, but we might actually not be. Um, All men are created with certain unalienable rights. The most influential moral notion of the past two centuries establishes minimal conditions of human decency. Unfortunately, when I look at the news, I don't see that. So... Um, We've lost something there. Rights are legal, social or ethical principles of freedom or entitlement. Rights are the fundamental normative rules about what is allowed of people or owed to people according to some legal system, social convention or ethical theory. Uh, Many diverse things are claimed of rights such as the right to life, the right to die, a right to vote, and I hope you vote well, and a right to strike, otherwise we're going to strike. (laughs) I do love a good strike. Um, Make the world a better place. It seeks to reduce suffering and increase pleasure or happiness. It demands a high degree of self-sacrifice. We must consider the consequences and actions for everyone. So that's very involved. Daddy, that's not fair, you know. What is fair for one should be fair for all. However, treating people equally may not mean treating them the same. Be a good person. Um, Plato and Aristotle wrote that. Seeks to develop individual character and assumes good persons will make good decisions. Being uh, being person rather than action based, it looks at the moral character of the person carrying out the action and that's based on the Jesus tradition. So Jesus did what was best for everybody. Okay. So, let's look at something that we've, have, have any of you worked with Jehovah's Witnesses or been confronted with an ethical issue? Um, was that a difficult time? My brother-in-law years ago was a nurse and mm. um, with, um, a child patient. Yeah. Blood mm. And he left They can be very traumatic, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're all... the medical... Yeah, it can be overridden depending on the... So I'll give you an example and this is a real one. In 2013, early in 2013, doctors from the Sydney Children's Hospital in Randwick uh, made an urgent application to the Supreme Court, which is how you have to go through it, to help them save an adolescent boy, a devout Jehovah's Witness with Hodgkin's disease. Uh, in a judgment handed down on March 28th, Justice Ian Gazelle immediately ordered a blood transfusion after doctors said the 17-year-old's life depended on it. Justice Gazelle noted his orders may only extend the um, boy's life for 10 months. When he became an adult, and may stop the treatment. So we can intervene with children, but we can't intervene with adults. The sanctity of life, in the end, is a more powerful reason for me to make the orders than is the respect of the dignity of the individual. He said. So um, until that boy is an adult, um, you know, and it's and it's very hard. It's what was that recent case? Where was that the? Um, the parents didn't want to give them chemotherapy, their young boy, because they didn't want him to suffer. And they intervened with that because... Um, I think it's, it's really hard when you, you talk about ethics and, and we're there to save people. And I think we're getting much better at, um, um, you know, a good death and going out well. We're not always jumping on chests and thinking we just have to save people. Um, sometimes, you know it's ethical to let them go too. But it's always hard on us, it's always traumatic because we're carers, you know. That's why we're attracted to the job. Now think about the genomic revolution. So this is, you know, genomes and genes affect virtually all ha- um, human characteristics and disease. Uh, these influences can be discovered in individual, individual patients through a view, review of family history, physical examination and the use of medical di- diagnostics. So you know, the the breast cancer gene and genes for cystic fibrosis and those sorts of things can be picked up uh, and you can have treatment accordingly. It has made... um, Medical research has made huge progress in understanding the causes of relatively rare, particularly single-gene disorders such as cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy. Now the development of effective interventions for genetic factors in common diseases such as cancer or diabetes is being advanced as well. Um, clinicians and society at large, however, are concerned about the effect genetic knowledge will have on the well-being of the individual persons and groups on our humanity. Um, effort is being devoted in trying to anticipate, understand and address the ethical, legal, social and political in- implications of genetics and genomics and reduce potential harm. It is not... it is most simplistic form is used to conceive children with the right genetic composition. Do we want blue eyes? Do we want a girl? Um, You know, are we going to mould the human race into us all looking the same? but it's, it's good in other ways because we can give people the information about whether they're uh, susceptible to a certain disease because of their family line, uh, whether they really, you know, they might be carrying something that is probably pretty likely they're going to hand down to their child. So to give them, let them weigh up the benefits and risks of do they want to have, you know, their own baby or maybe adopt. So um, we need to work with them. And, and something that we should probably learn a little bit more about as it's progressing. So. How would you provide sensitive, appropriate health care to a woman who had harvested her deceased husband's sperm to become pregnant? Now this has occurred in the news a few times hasn't it? Court cases, so um, you've got to think, you know, we have our own opinions about whether, you know, we will have our, you know, do, are we religious people, does it right in our culture? Um, so what are the ethical dimensions that we would need to consider with that as nurses and midwives and health practitioners? So, consider what is meant by harm or by trespass or mutilation of a corpse. Uh, what are the man's rights, you know, would he have wanted to produce offspring, you know? Can she prove that they had this conversation? Uh, what are the woman's rights, um, you know, to have chosen her partner's child, peace of mind of her child's father's genetic makeup. you know, she, she knows about him, she married him, she loves him, she wants to have his child. And what about the rights of the child? Stigma, legitimacy, you know, individuality. Um, can you think of anything else that might...? OK, yeah, um, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, um, mental health issues are, you know, I, I don't think there's any more than there used to be, really. I'll accept that we're probably all moving too fast and maybe a bit more susceptible to stress. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a big burden on society, not to mention the individual. Um, Now, another scenario you might have come across is let me die. You know, I've come across that a lot. Um, Have you been caring for a person who has suffered a serious injury or for which they need ongoing life support? And they request that that life support be withdrawn because they don't, um, according to their values and beliefs, they don't want to live that way. Now, I worked in in ICU for many years and, um, you know, some people, you know, were very, very badly damaged and some people, you know, just, they, they didn't want to live like that and their families fought for them. I mean, it's a really hard area to work in, it really is, when you're faced with those sorts of, um, and you know, organ donation, those sorts of things. In this situation which requires the practical withdrawal of treatment, the principle of autonomy may not be determinative as it cannot force you or your colleagues to act in such a way that directly assist in ending a patient's life, because at the moment it's illegal. So even if you agree with the person and you believe that that's not a good quality of life, the law still prevails. Um, another one is, um, I've written a piece with uh, the Women's Health Association on um, women's health issues, but one of them is FGM, female genital mutilation. Now, it's you know we were getting, a, there's a lot of you know, Sudanese people coming in, and, and I think it was in South Australia, where it was sort of going under the, the radar, Um that nurses were being asked outside of their workplace to assist with with FGM, um, you know, because they were going to do it anyway. So might as well have a nurse there or a doctor there. So we actually had to put out a policy that says, look, there is no way, you know, you, you will lose your registration if you assist with an FGM. It's illegal in our country. Okay. Now let's have a look at that original list again have any of your values changed after listening to any of that no does anybody have their values changed no well that's good you're all very strong in your ethics and your morals that's fantastic that's good um, look that's it on ethics and morals for me is would anybody like to ask any questions thank you thank you it's fantastic